Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric David and Philippe Bargiel. Football can provide so much drama, and even though the season is coming to a close, there are still some stories to be told, and someone could still pull a rabbit out of a hat. But before we get into a really jam-packed show this week, here's this week's news. Lyon kept up their fine form in the league, riding their luck a little bit before Maxwell Cornet's score twice in six first-half minutes, which was enough to secure a 2-0 win at Montpellier. The result sees the team in second on goal difference, and one positive was followed by another as Nabil Fakir made his return from injury as a second-half substitute. Saturday's early match saw Lucas Moura power a heavy, heavily rotated Paris Saint-Germain passed host Gangop with a brace 2-0. Laurent Blanc adding debuts to two teenagers in the second half. And in the multiplex, uh, Lorient won at Caen 2-1. Benjamin Jeannot's determination leading to the opener before Majid Waris added his 11th of the season with a penalty. In Saint-Étienne, Neil Maupay scored a late winner as Lever kept their grip on sixth with a 1-0 win over Troyes, while at Angers, an aggressive Gazelec failed to breach the host defence. A scoreless draw hardly the ideal tonic for the visitors' survival hopes. This was doubtly true as the two main rivals for safety, Toulouse and Reims, both won at home. Le TFC battered Bastia, who had Yannick Kauzak sent off, and um, they won 4-0 behind a brace from Wissam Ben Yedder. While well, a late free kick from Nicolas Depreville deflected in off Youssef Sabalé to give the Champagne Club a win at Nantes to one. On Sunday, a rampant Lille won for the fifth straight match, defeating visiting Monaco 4-1, with both sides reduced to 10 men in the second half following the dismissals of Elderson and Renato Civelli. Surely the story of the weekend was Hatem Banafa yet again, as the Nice player notched a hat-trick to account for all the goals in a 3-0 win over visiting Rennes, a result which saw Le Aiglon leapfrog the Breton side into fourth, just two points back of Monaco and Lyon. The match day concluded with a scoreless draw at the Stade Velodrome, the visiting Bordeaux um, bringing with it a considerable crowd trouble at the end of the game. In Ligue 2, a point at Brest was enough for Le Havre to maintain third place on goal difference over Red Star, who shook off their derby disappointment with a win at Ajaxio. While Metz lost, Lens won, bringing the northern team to within three points of promotion, with a Grignac uh, maintaining a one-point advantage. That's all your headlines this week, and remember... If you want your latest news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start with the events of Wednesday evening as Paris Saint-Germain were held to a 2-2 draw by Manchester City in the Champions League. The Ligue 1 champions head across the channel on Tuesday, but Philip, how disappointing was the result at the Parc de Prince? Um, yeah, it was very disappointing. First of all, the result 2-2. It's not a good um, good score to concede um, because it almost feels like a, like a defeat, um, especially uh, against a side that did not look uh, that much better. Did not look uh, equal in terms of quality of um, same quality as PSG. Uh, but uh, just to just to give the general idea to uh, the people who uh, have not um, seen the game. Um, PSG have uh, basically maybe two players who played well, um, and even even then I'm struggling to think of of anyone apart from uh, probably Maxwell and Thiago Silva. I think actually David Luiz didn't have that that bad a that bad a game. So it started with David Luiz with a booking, and he's going to miss the uh, the second leg in um, at uh, Eastlands tomorrow. Matuidi is is going to miss it as well, and. Um, Matuidi did not play well. It's probably one of his, his worst games of the season. Thiago Motta uh, went missing. He was not there when we needed him, um, and uh, which which was the case at Marseille, which was the case at Lyon, which was the case uh, against Chelsea. And his future really needs to be addressed ASAP. I did not uh, I did not see 
neither Di Maria nor Cavani have a particularly good game in the first half. I thought Di Maria played much better in the second half. But um, then you had Zlatan. Zlatan missed a penalty. He missed a one-on-one -on -one against Joe Hart, which he really should have scored from, which you would have bat him to score from. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, he did he did score the equaliser out of absolutely nothing, out of you know, out of uh, just uh, Joe Hart uh, taking a goal kick and passing it to uh, to Fernando. Um, so it was just it was just so disappointing the way the players did not perform. Um, Against a side that was not very good, I mean, I just, just we were talking about, we were talking about this with Lloyd last week. Um, De Bruyne apart, um, I wasn't really concerned about continuing a goal from Manchester City and their and their strikers. I mean, yes, they did have Yatoura out and so on and so on, um, but um, you know, apart from De Bruyne, there was not really much sweat, and to concede that goal. As a 2-2 goal is so disappointing. It's absolutely, it's uh, it's almost humiliating, really, because the the, the ball comes in. It's so easy to defend, but Aurier just uh, does not cover himself in glory. He was actually booed off the pitch when he was replaced by Van der Veel. Um, so yeah, uh, a real, real uh, poor performance that uh, should be forgotten ASAP. Eric, it was an interesting game, really, and neither side really covered themselves in glory defensively, but when PSG went 2-1 up, you would have thought that they had enough to see out the game, really, at that point, didn't you? You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually have thought so. I felt that, uh, I felt that Manchester City uh, put in a really solid performance. I think that, uh, that PSG's midfield was a little bit too one-dimensional. Uh, Matuidi and Rabio are both fine players in their day, but they're also of a piece. Um, they like to run at other, they like to run at opposing players with the ball at their feet. Uh, they're not the greatest passers. They like to be very direct. But uh, the way that City tracked back and, and really shackled them, uh, Silva and, and Navas in particular, and they're not really players that you would think of as being, you know, players who like to play a pre pressing game, getting getting down, up and down the pitch to uh, contend with opposing midfields, but they really did that well. And and that, that to me, was at the heart of, of City's performance. And I, I think that, for me personally, the way that PSG set up, I think that, honestly, a draw is, is a lucky result for them. Uh, I think that, that City turned into a really constant performance, and they're not really been getting enough credit. Uh, I think that Blanc did not set up the team... Uh, well to win, and I think that I think that he's he's reaped his rewards. A two-two draw is is probably a generous result. Um, you know, if you've got Torre back in the side and uh, and company is not not past fit, he's not going to feature tomorrow. Uh, City Good. City become a, a much more a much more difficult proposition. Uh, so yeah, I mean, PSG certainly missed their chances early on, but uh, the fact of the matter is, this is a Champions League. I mean, you know. You've got to take your chances. I mean, we saw that, you know, with City themselves, uh, the loss to Juventus at home uh, in the group stages. That you can really be undone by by not taking your chances. And I think by setting this this team up in this way, I think that uh, starting Aurier over Marquinhos at right back was a mistake. I think starting Cavani over Lucas at, uh, on the left was a mistake on Blanc's part. Uh, I, I think Di Maria should have been been dropped into midfield uh, in place of Rabio. Uh, I just think this team wasn't properly set up, and I, I think that it, that their weaknesses and their sort of one-dimensionality uh, were were there for anybody to see prior to the match, based on the way the teams were set up. And uh, Pellegrini took advantage of that, and he got uh, great performances from from Silva and De Bruyne. I think I think that you know we're, we're not seeing that in terms of hard numbers of goals or assists, but uh, the movement of those two in particular to to track back and to really harry. Manchester City's midfield, Thiago Mata in particular, uh, even Aguero was was getting into the act. He and De Bruyne were exchanging places vertically quite a bit. Uh, that that City, I think, does deserve the result. I mean, and Aurier, you know, yeah, he gets his, his studs caught trying to cut out that pass. But what's he doing there? What is the, the right back doing to the left of the two center, central defenders? Uh, he had got the ball robbed off him prior to the goal uh, by D David Silva, who cut inside and laid the ball off to De Bruyne, who passed to Navas, who passed to Sanya. Uh, so get back and, and, and track Silva. Silva's outside the area at, at that point when the goal scored. So, you know, and, 
and both of the city players in the box, Fernandinho and, and uh, Aguero, are being marked by, by Silva and Rabio. So Aurier's got no no reason to be where he is at, in that, in that, at that point in time. And I don't think that uh, Marquinhos or Vanderbilt, whichever one of them would have started over Aurier at right back, uh, would have allowed themselves to, to be caught in such a position. Uh, he Again, he's not defending the cross. Maxwell's defending Sanya. He's got no reason to be where he is. And because of that, I, I think that, you know, Blanc needs to have have a real thought about how he's going to set this team out tomorrow. I mean, obviously because of suspensions, Marquinhos will start at center back, but personally I'd rather see Vanderbilt uh, start at right back tomorrow uh, based on the performance of, of uh, Aurier uh, last Wednesday. I was talking about this before. I mean, uh, Vanderbilt is a bit uh, uh, made of um, of a... Uh, bit part player for PSG because he plays he plays the games against the likes of Angers and Lorient. But uh, as soon as uh, as soon as Oye gets uh, you know uh, suspended for being uh, being a silly boy, um, Marquinhos gets a nod in the big games and Van der Veel does not. And you can bet you know anything worse you you may have that uh, Marquinhos is going to start over Van der Veel, which is a shame because it's not Marquinhos's real position. Marquinhos is a centre back, not a right back. And uh, I do I do agree with you, Eric, that yeah, Vanderville or Marquinhos would have done probably would have done better on that uh, on defending that uh, action which has, which led to the goal. So it's uh, yeah it's it's a bit harsh on on Vanderville if you if you think about it. I mean or he did insult the whole you know the manager, the whole club and he he basically walks back into in the squad. A lot of fans are not very happy with that. Was uh, was Oye, and he was he was booed when he came off. Yeah, and it's not surprising that that was the case. But to, to be a, play a little bit of devil's advocate, it was a strange game to bring Aurier back into the fold. I would have thought that that Blanc may have, have the sense that he's not played a competitive match for a good couple of months. He's not necessarily going to have the right crowd reaction at, the, at a home game to any performance he puts in. So maybe it was the, the wrong choice. Overall, to play. Well, play with the reserves quite a bit, but that's not it's, the it's same a thing. different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's yeah. not Champions League quarterfinal at home. Not <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, I, I don't. I, it might, might have just been me, and and when I was in my youth playing as a as a centre back, that I was really disappointed with David Luiz's performance um, in the game. I thought, although they caught out a little bit in the first goal, he he never seemed to try and make an effort to try and close down De Bruyne, who's as you're taught, he's the man with the ball, he's the danger, and he goes and scores because he's given free reign to, to pick a spot. In the second goal, yes, Aurier's out of position, but as a centre-back, you, you organise where he is as well, because Luis is just standing in the middle of the in, in the middle of the, in the area, marking no one, doing nothing at all. You either do something, or organise someone to do something. It just seemed like he was. It seemed like he was a passenger, and I think it might be a slight blessing that he's not. He's, he is suspended for this game coming up, isn't he? He's got the two yellows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that might be a small blessing in disguise that he 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 might not be playing because I think Marquinhos offers a more competent option in in my opinion. If 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 he's just going to allow goals like that, which is disappointing. But we've we've mentioned the the midfield, um, Philip. Do you think? And there's there's rumours that Verratti he trained alone today, so there's still rumours that he might play. It might be a ruse. We don't know yet. Mm. Could could he be the difference in the next game? Is is he that someone that will add balance to that midfield? Uh, the media have been talking about it non-stop, um, mm. as I've actually been talking about it much more than actually Page's game at Guingamp. My opinion is that whether Verratti um, starts or not doesn't make much difference. I do believe that Pages Mitchell is stronger than Manchester City's, even with Yaya Toure in, in it. Uh, with or without Verratti, I really do believe that Thiago Motta really just needs to get his ass into gear and play uh, seriously, like we know he can he can do for you know just one last uh, one last stroll. Obviously, having Verratti will help, but there's no chance in hell that he's going to start after or not after what we've we've witnessed in in, in training. And um, you know, you do, just don't uh, come back. You're, you're 
you are definitely not match fit and you're going to play uh, Piaget's uh, most important game of the season to date. I mean, if it were against a team like Atletico or Barcelona or Bayern Munich, I would say you know play him because you know otherwise we don't have a we don't have a we don't stand a chance against uh, against these guys. But we do stand a chance against these guys. We do we do stand a chance against Manchester Manchester City's midfield, which is which is the most important. I mean, the the formation for tomorrow evening writes itself because of the uh, amount of absentees. Uh, Pastore is out. Uh, Pastore is out, isn't he? Yes. Yes. He's doubtful, but he won't start. Yeah, so uh, you can basically say, okay, we've got David Luiz suspended, Matuidi suspended, Verratti and Pastore on the bench. So we basically only have one starting eleven um, fit to play. Uh, uh, that is Champions League quality, shall we say? So I know that's a lot of absentees. That's uh, that's quite a lot of absentees. But uh, still, I I I I reckon that uh, Piaget's midfield should be able to contain the likes of. Um, of Fernando, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Aturi, and all that. I'm not actually quite sure what, how how City are going to uh, line up. Uh, Nasri is back as well, isn't he? He's yes, not. He, he wasn't included in the squad for the first leg, so he can't play in this match. Right. Okay. So That's if you're not included in the first leg, you know, you can't be included in the second. Correct. You have to name a 25-man squad for each each successive leg or each successive round of the competition. He wasn't oh, right. uh, named in the first uh, for the first leg. So Nasu is not playing. He's not. He's not eligible at this round. Mm. All right, that's interesting. Because you see, I would have probably uh, had Nasri over Navas, personally, I because Navas I don't really rate. Um, I Philip, I I really disagree with that. I thought City's attacking quartet played fantastically well. I think that the interplay of of Navas and Silva and De Bruyne to to De Bruyne especially to to go into wide positions uh, mm. left. That's the reason Thiago Mata played well. I think that Thiago Mata. Uh, had no idea how to how to mark these players because they because Silva and De Bruyne in particular were each able to get wide to switch flanks uh, and to drag the center backs and 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 uh, Mata out of position. It was the same thing with David Luiz after that early mm-hmm. yellow card. How is he going to go herring out of the box to to close someone down, knowing he's already on a booking? Uh, not only is he suspended for the next leg, but to to leave PSG with a with ten men. Uh, chasing the game, chasing a positive result at least, uh, if, if, if not a victory uh, as it stands, it, I, I think really would have left the team in, in dire situations. So uh, I think part of the criticism of Luis is fair in terms of his marking, but in terms of playing the style of football he likes to play, that high energy, uh, getting at players, uh, bursting out of defense with the ball, he, he needed to exercise a degree of caution given his early booking. And I think that 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 might have given him pause. That might have caused him to play with a level of hesitation uh, as the match were on, not wanting to uh, have been booked a second time or to, to put his team in a, in a, at a disadvantage um, heading into the second leg. And I think a lot of that was down to, again, the, the movement of uh, of City's midfield. If, if you watch the positions these players were, were taking up, I mean, De Bruyne goes out to the left flank, goes out to the right flank. Uh, he's constantly creating overloads. Silva drifts inside to play as the number ten. Uh, if you're Aurier, you're Maxwell, you're Mata, you're the center, you're the center backs. How are you supposed to keep track of of these players? Each of each of whom is fantastic with the ball at their feet. Is a good passer. Uh, is a goal is a goal threat. Uh, Aguero was dropping deep. De Bruyne was playing as as the furthest forward. And you know the net effect of that was to really stymie. Uh, uh, PSG's midfield and, and, and defense. I mean, we saw a very similar approach from uh, Leon, uh, albeit with a different formation. But uh, that free interchange of players—it uh, was Cornet, it was Maxwell, it was or, sorry, it was Cornet, it was Maxwell, Cornet, uh, Gazal, and Lacazette. Uh, but it was the same thing. Uh, to have a fluid attack where players can take up different roles in different positions and still be effective um, has proven once again to be PSG's undoing. Um, with Thiago Mata play, played as a uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, he simply doesn't have the, the pace to keep to keep track of this. I mean, there was a lovely sequence of play early in the first half where De Bruyne got beyond uh, Mata as a result of a, of a, of a, 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 a give-and-go with Sanya on the right. And he cut inside, and he cut, he cut it back to Silva. And eventually, Fernandinho took a shot from outside the area. It went over. The chance went begging. Uh, but... What you basically had at that point was De Bruyne running, running at Silva, uh, or sorry, running at uh, David Luiz with, uh, you know, with ten minutes into the match with Silva, or, with, sorry, with Luiz already on a booking, 
you know, what's going to be the outcome of that? It's going to be it's going to be a, a dangerous situation for City. It's going to be PSG, you know, nervously defending uh, the movement of these players. Um, you know, and you know, again, the results, the goals that City scored were down to, uh, were down to, you know, down to mistakes. But the the fact of the matter is, it was their movement that constantly created chances for them and made PSG look so shaky at the back. And you know, and that's the thing. PSG haven't shown that they can they can cope with uh, a truly mobile uh, attackers. And that, that was Manchester City. This... Are you saying Manchester City outplayed PSG in the midfield, rather than PSG not didn't play to their full potential? Absolutely. If you, if you watch the match, watch watch how many watch how many times Navas and and, and Silva drop deep, even deeper than Fernando and Fernandinho. They drop mm. deep they, to cover the to cover wide to wide balls to Aurier and Maxwell, allowing Fernandinho and Fernando to get forward and close down the runs of Matuidi and and Rabio. How many times did one of those players lose the ball? Yeah, they're they're great. You know, they have good pace, they have good energy, but they're not the most technical of midfielders in terms of their dribbling ability. That is to say, Matuidi and Rabio. And by allowing mm. Fernandinho and Fer- Fernando to get forward and and close and close those players down uh, in the tackle. By cutting off their options to pass uh, to the flanks with with Silva and uh, with Silva and, and Navas, uh, I, I think that Pellegrini really got his tactics right. Uh, it, it, again, they rode their luck a little bit with Hart saving the penalty, and you know there was another decent shout for a penalty earlier in the match when when uh, Mangala took out Matuidi. But do you think it uh, was one? Uh, I mean, a shout. I, I'm not. I don't think it was. But again, me neither. I think it's shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, I think it was but, as well. But the, uh, I, I think mean, the, everybody on Twitter was saying it's a penalty, it's a disgrace and stuff. So, no, not really. I, I thought actually that the referee in the first half got everything right because when it wasn't a penalty, he didn't he didn't whistle. That's so it was shoulder to shoulder, and Sanchez foul. But it was still, it was still a dangerous situation. No, well, I know, I know. But I wouldn't have you know pointed to the spot either. And Sanchez foul on I think it was. Di Maria? No, it wasn't. On David uh, David Luiz, was it for the David Luiz, yeah. David Luiz. I think, yeah, that's a, that was a stone roller. So I thought the referee got that spot on in the first half. No, I agree, but I, I think the energy of City's midfield is not getting nearly enough credit. I mean, Fernando Fernando gets stick for you know for the back pass, but mm. uh, on the whole, he was all right. And Fernandinho was was magnificent. I think he probably had a dozen tackles. I haven't looked. At, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but. Um, the the movement and the interplay between amongst those players and the effort shown, particularly again, Navas and Silva are never players you're going to think of as being energetic and tracking back. They're you know sort of fancy Dan types, pacey whatever. But their effort on the night was tremendous, and it doesn't really show up in in statistical analysis. But watching their positioning on the pitch and how that allowed Fernandinho and Fernando to get at uh, to get at uh, Matuidi and Rabiot was what won the match. Yeah, it's a different way of looking at things. Gave, gave City a good result, I should say. It's a different way of looking at things, and one that certainly wasn't, um, shall we say, uh, taken upon by any of the of the media here. Um, to most of the most of the media, be it uh, on television or the internet or the radio, it was um, the midfield trio did not have a good game, and they need to up their game. And if they do, um, Peugeot will progress. And they didn't have a good match because Rabiot and Matuidi attack in the same manner, and yeah. that was that was easy to for City to double down and 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 have have their wide players track back. Mm. But yeah, still I I still reckon that um, uh, easy mistakes were made by most of the of the uh, of Piaget's squad. Who who was everyone's man of the match actually for Piaget? <laughs> Di Maria. That, that's an, yeah, really? probably. Okay. Uh, but I, I think Eric, you've I thought it was terrible in the first half. I mean, again, you know, you can always say because City played well, City defended well, Pellegrini got his tactics right. But still, you expect that kind of player to to uh, do better because you could compare Cavani's performance uh, week in week out with Di, Mur- Di Maria's first half. Well, I, I honestly thought that Di Maria in the first half was absolutely not shocking, but you know, so not not not. He struggled not. to find space. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think. I think. Yeah. Still. I mean. Yeah. 
I think Eric made a really good point when he mentioned the the work rate of the wingers of Manchester City because restricting the fullbacks really restricted the width of Paris Saint-Germain, especially with Cavani playing instead of Lucas Moura. And that's something I do want to ask you, Eric. It's something you mentioned for big games this season. Do you think it was the right decision to start the Uruguayan over no, the Brazilian? Absolutely not. He's not he's not dynamic enough for a four three three. The other thing too is that we've seen look. A lot of the trouble that City gave PSG was down to the ability of De Bruyne, Silva, and Navas to exchange positions. The same would have been true. I mean, Clichy and Sanya had the easiest day you could ask for. All they had to do was hold their positions. But if you had played Mora and Di Maria, those two are both very adept at switching flanks, are effective on either flank, and to to give PSG this, or sorry, to give Manchester City the same sort of headaches that Manchester City gave PSG by having these players switch positions and, and play in a more fluid fashion, I think that the PSG would have looked quite a bit more dynamic going forward and would have created more chances dragging dragging the defense over the, all over the place a little bit more. But they just... Clichy and Sanya were able to get up the pitch and, and, and break up play. They didn't have to be effective going forward. They just were able to focus on, on their defensive duties. But if you had played Lucas, who's a much more adept and, and mobile player than, than is Cavani... Uh, I think you would have seen, you know, again, two older players in in, in uh, Clichy and Sanya uh, being given a little bit more to think about. Yeah, and it really I thought Clichy had a great game um, personally as well. I, I would have, if I had to uh, to grade him, it would have been a, a easily eight out of ten. Uh, Sanya probably a bit lesser because of the penalty, but uh, I really did. I do agree with uh, with you, Eric, that uh, the fullbacks were not threatened enough in that uh, in that game, thanks to the uh, the wingers, of course. So let's give it a very quick sort of preview to the to the game tomorrow night. Um, Philip, a do you think that starting someone like Lucas might add some dynamism to a PSG side that definitely needs to score goals? And and what's your prediction for the game? Uh, well, Lucas is going to start. I mean, there's no real other option than uh, having Di Maria in midfield and uh, having uh, Lucas on the right wing, Cavani on the left wing. So he's going to start, um, and I hope that he'll be more uh, dynamic. I hope that Di Maria being in midfield, will, he will be able to get get more uh, more influence uh, of the ball. A bit like when you have um, when you have uh, Fabregas dropping deep. I mean, when when those players start to to drop deep, they get more of the ball. They get to organise a play in a different fashion. And I think this is how um, PSG are going to score goals. Now, I believe PSG will progress um, due to the overall quality of the uh, of the side because I still I still reckon that um, Tuesday, sorry Wednesday evening, um, last Wednesday that is uh, was an off night for most players um, over Man City uh, being um, very disciplined defensively. Uh, and I do believe that if they want to, if they want the qualifications, they go and get it in England, just like they did uh, at Chelsea. So I'm going to go with two nil. I know it's very optimistic, and I really, really hope I'm right because uh, uh, elimination would be catastrophic for PSG and would not be the end of the world for Manchester City, who actually have to focus on actually competing in the Champions League next season. Eric, what do you think will the game will pan out? Um, I think that having Di Maria in midfield, again, is an, is an upgrade. I think that if Rabio can be a little bit more disciplined defensively and give give Mata a little bit more support uh, in front of the defense and allow Di Maria to have a freer role behind the attacking trio, I, I do think that PSG will display a little bit more fluidity going forward, and I, I do th I, I would favor them to win. I, I'd probably say 2-1. Um, I, I think it'll, it'll be a tough matchup. Um, I, I do think that... Yaya Torre starts again. It's the same thing with Cavani starting on the on the regular for for PSG. I don't I don't think that he's. You watch the energy and the movement of, of those players, and I know Torre is a goal threat coming from midfield, which they desperately needed. I mean, you know, De Bruyne can score, but besides Aguero, the City doesn't really have a goal threat. So I I get why Torre might might be attractive, but at the same time he's not going to put forth, forth the effort. We've seen him drifting in and out of matches too many times. Um, I think the City should play the same team and 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 I think that gives them a better chance, but 
given the fact that Di Maria will be allowed more time on the ball and, and he's going to have more of an option to, to link up with the likes of Lucas and Ibrahimovic on, on the night, I, I think that PSG are probably my narrow favorites because uh, Tor- if Torre gets the start, if City play the same 11, uh, I'd probably give City the edge. Uh, I think that, that uh, uh, Pellegrini really needs to think about how how this team performed as a team, uh, you know, especially given how maligned they've been uh, in terms of in terms of their defensive work over the course of the season. I thought I thought they they played exceptionally well on Tuesday in a lot of in a lot, sorry last Wednesday in a lot of faces, and uh, he should keep faith with the team that got him a good result uh, at the Parc des Princes. Mm, I'm I'm going to be uh, throw a spanner in the works, and I think it might be two two again. I think this actually might go. Oh, that down. would be good. Yeah, I, I I have a feeling that because neither particularly covered themselves in glory defensively, even though and both are in half decent form in the league. They've got most of their players back. If Verratti starts, I'd give PSG a slight edge, and especially if Lucas starts as well, I'd give them a slight edge. But I think it might be two two, but we shall wait and see. It's going to be it's going to be a very intriguing affair. On One thing that really needs to be done is progress because the three other ties um, we haven't seen um, any side you know uh, walking their first leg. I mean Barcelona struggled. Real Madrid are facing for, uh, elimination right in the face, much more than PSG, and Bayern looked uh, not very good against Benfica. No, those ties are all in the balance. Yeah. So it's it's still anybody's. Yeah. It's yeah. So all, all three other ties are still in the balance, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a very, very interesting. So we'll hopefully win the draw on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the pot, at least that, that's all you can hope for when you get to a semi-final stage. So good yeah. luck to Paris Saint-Germain, and we'll, we'll all be watching with interest. But we'll move on. Just a few weeks ago, everyone thought that Toulouse were dead and buried, but three wins in their last four under new boss Pascal Dupre has put them just two points off 18th and four points from safety. But the question is, Philip, can they do it? Hmm. It just goes to show what um, what uh, change of man- management makes. A uh, great win against, uh, against Bastia um, on uh, Saturday. It was a second home game in a row, so a second win in a row. Um, and now they find themselves with 32 points from 33 games, which is a great tally for a side that was supposed to go down, that was destined to go down. I mean, uh, after that, uh, after defeats uh, to um, Aren at home, this was actually the, uh, the, the, the drop that made Ari Baji lose his job. Um, I mean, it was it was almost uh, certain that they were going uh, Way, but uh, three wins in four games later, um, it's um, they're only four points from from Reims and uh, with a similar goal difference. Now, if you look at their running, um, it's not easy, but uh, I do believe that uh, they can they can make a solid ten points from the remaining fifteen games. First of all, they've got Lorient away. I think uh, if they really push on, they can they can win at that place. It's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely tough. Lorient is a, a tough side to beat, and Lorient are not safe um, yet. Um, Mathematically, I, I, I reckon that uh, if you're 10 points clear to lose, you are going to go to, to stay up. Uh, but then Toulouse have uh, the uh, this um, this uh, Rhone uh, doubleheader: Lyon and Saint-Étienne. And that's um, that's then followed by a home game against Troyes, so that's a banker home win, and then a trip to Angers. So from there, I, I really see three wins, and maybe a draw against Lyon, and maybe a draw against Saint-Étienne. I don't know. I mean, it would take a pretty solid performance you know, to not lose in those five games. But uh, they've, given, they've given themselves a, a chance, especially with those last two games. Uh, when you when you see, I I honestly reckon that um, they won't finish 19th. If they do go down, they'll finish 18th. I, I, I do believe that Gazelet will will uh, will go down, unfortunately, for what's been a, a fairytale season for them. Um, and then, you know, then then you've got Reims. They've got Marseille away uh, on the penultimate day. I mean, not not exactly a uh, tough place to go to these days. And then home to Lyon. You know, they could do it. They could do it. But um, yeah, it really does depend. It, it really look completely. 
you know, this, this, this sense of, of being happy to play together that uh, Lille are enjoying under, under Antonetti and um, Rennes are actually enjoying under Corbis despite yesterday's results. But, you know, having a new manager, it really seems to have changed everything for them, which is great, really, because uh, it would be a shame to, uh, to see this club in Lille do again, honestly. Eric, it was a fantastic 4-0 win, really, at the weekend. And it's a great platform, these last few results, for Toulouse to try, at least, and stave off relegation at the very last moment. Can they do it? Yeah, I agree with Philip. I mean, I don't... Saint-Étienne and, and Lyon, I think, have a lot to play for, Philip. And I think you might be giving Toulouse a little bit too much credit in trying to get results against the, those two. Uh, but the fact or remains... Or draw, not no... a win. You know, draw. Possible. Okay, maybe maybe a draw against one of them, but again, yeah, as you rightly mentioned, the other 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 five matches, uh, I think the I think the other three against Lorient, Troyes, and Angers are eminently winnable, and ten mm-hmm. points again would would see them safe. Um, yeah, I think they can. I think that I think that the form of of Braithwaite and Ben Yedder is is really key to this. That the that those two are playing with with a hunger that we haven't seen, and uh, well, Ben Yedder I think has really come on since the turn of the year. Braithwaite's sort of been there all season. Uh, but now they're both in double figures, and they're uh, that's again that's sometimes all it takes in Liga is just to have one superb offensive player. And I've said this before. I said it last last week talking about Usman Dembele. Uh, we've seen it in the past with Anthony Marshall, in the recent past Nabil Fekir. One one offensive Atem Benarfa, one player uh, who's driven, who's motivated to put the ball in the net, uh, is really all it can take. Uh, in this league, because things are so tight defensively, and there's there's so many teams um, stacked up between between Troyes and and PSG, the other 18 teams. I mean, I think that you know any of the rest of them can beat any of the rest of them if uh, if if things go their way, and and I think Toulouse have have the tools to do that. Uh, another thing that I think we should shouldn't be remiss in mis- remiss in mentioning is how the defense has tightened up uh, under under. Uh, under Dupra. Uh, they've only conceded two goals in five matches under him. Uh, and, you know, things hadn't been awful defensively before that, but the fact is they were losing a lot of these matches, 1-0, 2-0, 2-0, drawing 1-1. Uh, they didn't have the... Op- the they didn't have... Uh, without keeping clean sheets, they weren't able to uh, to record the points that they need to, to survive. And, you know, again, the loss to Lille looks a lot, a lot better... Uh, given the form that they're in, uh, and the other th- the other three matches uh, of, the, of the recent four uh, are a combined ten ten goals for and, and none against, and and so that that improved defense I think is, is something Dupras also got to take credit for too. I mean, you know, Evian went down uh, under Dupras last season, and it, you know that was more down to just a, a lack of attacking talent. I mean, I don't think that there was there were a couple matches where they had essentially no fit strikers. It was it was you know, not anything down to Evian's defense. I think that what he has shown, uh, in addition to giving this team a little bit more joie de vivre, is to show uh, that, you know, defensively they can be really sound as well. And I think that's an important thing to take forward as well. He's continuing to give these young young players uh, a chance, uh, the likes of Issa Diop, to to let things uh, continue to go forward and, and get more confidence. Uh, and if this team can stay up and, and hold on to Braithwaite and Ben Yedder, uh, I think things will be a lot more comfortable next season. I think that Dupra, pardon me, for in- installing uh, this confidence in these players and having the the willingness to drop important players, uh, likes of Kanabiak, Akpro, uh, Trejo, uh, in these big big matches is, has really given them um, uh, a boost. I mean, let's face it, the... How important are those three players I just mentioned have generally been to Toulouse over over the course of the season in a match that was pretty much much win must win uh, given the other results that were happening uh, that being uh, the the win of of Rams at the same time uh, I think shows a, a lot of a lot of confidence and a lot of bravado on Dupras' part and he should he'd really be given uh, a lot of credit for that for being being willing to shake things up and and uh, give the opportunity to uh, the players who are going to, who are actually going to get things done on the pitch, and, and aren't just relying on uh, past their past achievements or or their names. Yeah, that's probably the shame for Toulouse at the weekend. Their result 
combining with Ryan's result with them winning, giving keeping maintaining that four point gap. If they they were just two points away from safety, it would have been really really interesting. Especially looking at at Rance's games is left. They've got Trois next week, so that's can be practically three points on the board. So it, it gets it doesn't get any easier for Toulouse unless they drag more teams in and. And the likes of Gangomp don't have the most favourable run in. I still don't think Montpellier are safe either. I, I they don't, yeah. they, they just don't have, they don't have a, a striker. And I've said this all season. I mean, yeah, Ningo is a great find, but when's the last time he scored? You know, they mm. had Morgan Sanson score a brace two weeks ago, but again, you know, he's he's a fine player, uh, but not someone they can rely on for goals. Uh, to me, I think I think Montpellier, given Toulouse's form. Uh, I'm not saying they're the favorites to go down, but if Toulouse are going to are going to catch a team besides Ajaccio, I think it's going to be Montpellier. Looking at their games, it's it, again it'll be interesting because they've got Nantes, who are middling in mid-table now, really after a great middle run of being unbeaten. They've got Troyes, and that might be that might see them save two wins there. They've got Reims the week after that, so it's it, it's interesting that all these teams have games that you 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 can say are winnable, and it gives us. That interesting end of the season, but we've we've mentioned Wissam Benjeda before on this show, uh, Philip, and criticised him earlier this season. But he has, as he should do, prove us wrong, and really come into the form in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Um, yes, he has. I was just looking at that stat, uh, Eric. And in this last goal was on December twelfth, yeah. so a long time ago. <laughs> long enough. <laughs> Against Leon, I think. Um, no, 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 that was the match before that. Never mind. Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, but it was it, you know it was doing it was doing those uh, it was doing those days. It was against Gangon actually. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Ben Yedel. So um, we've talked about him before. We um, Toulouse definitely didn't want to sell him. Um, and um, no, he's still he's still he's still far too good to play for a side uh, fighting. Um, you know. Against uh, against the draw, that's uh, that's for sure, um, and uh, he can be relied upon if uh, you're having a bad day uh, defensively, just like uh, it was a case at home to Bordeaux where he scored a hat trick, and it was a case uh, um, against Bastia where he scored um, a brace. So now he's back, um, he's back at uh, 15 goals, just one behind uh, uh, Ben Arfa who scored a hat trick. Uh, Quite wonderful one at that, um, and um, Lacazette, who um, you know has not had the his his best season, but you know he's still he's still 16 goals, and he'll still I still believe that whatever happens he will be um, sold uh, this uh, this season if they if, even if they do if they do stay up because he is uh, let's face it a 15 to 20 goal player uh, 15 to 20 goals a season striker. Which really is extremely um, important in in a league like uh, like Liga. So great uh, great credit for for him, and uh, he'll definitely need to be on form if, if Toulouse are to stay up. And, and like we say, he's such a quality player that he's added uh, and 10, 15, 12 goals to the season, and and that could see them up, but. Another player we've mentioned a few times, Eric is, is, and you've mentioned him briefly. There is Martin Braithwaite. I mean, credit to him for for really pulling it out of the bag and, and and giving Toulouse hope this season again. Yeah, I think that you know he's not he's more of a, a battering ram forward. He's not the most elegant of players, but he's never he's never been someone who who's been lacking in effort, uh, lacking in, in in trying to trying to attack. And I think that. You know, perhaps more than any other player on this team, he he's one who I think should be held up uh, as as someone who's who's put forth a, a genuine effort and and played to the the best of his, albeit somewhat limited talent, uh, throughout the course of the season, uh, no matter the manager. And I, I think that he's a player that I I think uh, you know is, is someone that Toulouse really have to think about holding on to. <clears throat> pardon me, uh, over the course of the season as well. I think there might be a few teams. I'm, I'm thinking maybe championship level that might think of making a, a money move for for Braithwaite simply because of his worth ethic and his goals. But uh, it's great to see him finally sort of playing at a level we probably expected him playing at when he initially came. But uh, 
hopefully, it's going to certainly be a very interesting race towards the end of the season for, for those relegation places now that Toulouse are, are back in that group. But uh, move on to talk about uh, um, Lyon, who have been unbeaten in their last five games, and a win on Friday combined with Monaco's defeat means they leapfrog their opponents into second place on goal difference. It was another excellent performance against Montpellier, although it was came with a little tribulation at times, uh, Eric. But before we talk about the game itself, how good was it to see Nabil Fakir on a football field again? I think anybody who's a fan of, of, of attacking stylish football and, and, and of young talent coming through in, in Liga has to be excited about the return of Nabil Fakir. Uh, he was absolutely a revelation last season, uh, and even to the point where Didier Deschamps sort of restructured France's tactics uh, to get the best out of him, and, and that's that's an incredible credit uh, given the, the other players that are that are uh, uh, that are options for him, likes of Griezmann and, and Pogba and what have you. Uh, so yeah, it, it it can't you can't help but have your heart warmed by uh, the return of Nabil Fekir. Yeah, and it was great to see it. I cancelled all my plans on Friday to see Nabil Fekir take the play, take the field back on Friday, and it was it was good to see the Montpellier fans registered that him coming back on. But um, looking at the game on Friday, Philip, um, it was a really good win and and a, a continuation of how Liam have been playing in the last few weeks, hasn't it? Um, yeah, very much um, a ruthless performance. I thought um, from uh, from what what I saw from from that game, um, because they got the goal, they got the job done, and the defending wasn't always perfect. Uh, and it has to be said that Lopez was the busiest goalkeeper in the second half. Um, and then you had Fikia, who who came on, and you could sense the whole team playing for him. Uh, you know, just to. Uh, make sure that he touches the ball, he gets into those positions. Gunnar at the end of the game uh, plays a really intelligent pass to, Fik- uh, pass, sorry, to Fikir who misses his lob and uh, everybody says, you know, in a couple of weeks that lob goes in. Because, you know, the, the passing was so much uh, fluent and it, that's what you have been have been missing. But, you know, that's it's the story of the season. You know, you can't... Sometimes you... you you get those um, those knocks. Sometimes you get those breaks. Uh, it's uh, it's really made in uh, it's really made your season extremely difficult. But still, you know they did they did uh, beat uh, they did go and win at Montpellier, and uh, this is their third win third win in a row. And a you know quite quite impressive one. And Fikir's return comes at an, an absolute um, perfect perfect timing. It really has to be. Really has to be said. Uh, Gisal is in good form. Lacazette is scoring a couple of goals now, uh, and I think the general play is is quite good. And uh, that Lyon are really wanting that uh, that second spot, and that they're going to get it. If this weekend has anything to go by, is that Lyon uh, just got the result despite not defending superbly, and that uh, Monaco uh, completely sunk at uh, at Lille. Um, which which is great news for Lyon because they are going to be hosting Monaco on the penalty midday. There's actually going to be a fascinating game on paper on Friday between Lyon and Nice. Nice will beat Rennes 3-0. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's great news for Lyon. If you if you're a Lyon fan, you you must be happy with uh, what happened this weekend. With or without Fikir, it's been it's been a great result. Yeah, and it was punctuated by a double from Maxwell Cornet, and and both him and Gazal have impressed in. Fakir's absence, Eric. Um, how did you rate the youngster's performance and his double in this one? Yeah, I mean, he was a little—it was a little opportunistic. Um, but I think the most important thing that we should take away from this uh, is the willingness of Alexander Lacazette to trust in Gazal and to trust in Cornet. I don't think we saw that from Lacazette earlier in the season, and he had a lovely his assist for for Cornet's uh, for Cornet's goal was was really lovely, and I, I think that. Uh, that shows Lacazette taking on a leadership role and, and being able to yield some of the spotlight to, to these young players, even as he himself is chasing a place in Euro 2016 and probably needs goals. But he's seeing that uh, more importantly than that, uh, than his own individual level of achievement, uh, that Leon need to be back in the Champions League uh, because because that's what's that's what's going to make him truly a, a you know. A, but that's what's going to give him a more substantial platform upon which to prove himself. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that the Corne, you know, for his age, is 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 really coming on in leaps and bounds. Uh, he was, you know, sort of persona non grata in the beginning half of the season, uh, played almost by default uh, around the turn of the year. But uh, he's really blossomed under Genesio in, in this four three three, showing a, a great willingness to cut inside and to to be a fairly decent finisher. He's he's got two two good feet uh, and is able to switch flanks uh, with Gazal relatively easily. Uh, and yeah, I think that these three again, fluid front three, um, is very hard to combat uh, for for most uh, opposing defenses. And yeah, again, Leon were a little bit lucky on the evening, but I, I think that 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 really shows uh, a credit to the to the players and to the coach for for self belief and for persistence. Yeah, and and another factor in that is we've mentioned Fakir's obvious obvious return with those three playing so well, it allows Fakir the time to settle back in and, and maybe not start games and rush back, but give him the settled substitute appearances and, and let him come back slowly while he regains his fitness. And that's really a, a huge plus with, with with the lift that he gives them being on the field full stop. It's really, really a plus for Leon. And you, you've already mentioned it, um, Philip. It's going to be an interesting game this, this upcoming Friday between them and Nice as, as Nice swept aside Ren. Oh, fascinating. Uh, Much more than bloody Monaco versus Marseille, <laughs> which is on Sunday evening. Yeah, which which would usually, you would think, would be the interesting one, but... No. Nice have, have really impressed this season, and, and surprise, surprise, it was Hatem Ben Arthur who got the hat-trick at the weekend. <laughs> How big a win would be a win against Lyon on Friday? Mm. Well, he gets applauded, but uh, Nice were just so much better than Rennes. I mean, comfortably, comfortably is a better side. Um, be it um, defensively, in midfield, and Hatem Benafa was just the icing on the cake. Hatem Benafa, there's some kind of way Nice are playing with on, and without Benafa, and there's a kind of, of way uh, other league sides are defending against uh, a Nice side that are playing with Benafa and a Nice side that are not playing with Benafa. You sense that they're just much more wary and much more you know, scared actually uh, when he's on the pitch, even when he's not having a good game, which is you know, which seldom, never really, never really, really happens. But uh, he gets he gets applauded because he can finish. But uh, player had an amazing game, Cotillo as well. Uh, nice Oran were just uh, fabulous to watch, really, really great to watch. Which is you know one of the reasons why uh, everybody uh, in in Liga and myself included wants uh, Nice to finish above Monaco because it's better football, it's more adventurous, it's more it's more nice nice on the eye. But uh, of course there's always the question mark of saying well Nice in the Champions League, but uh, what's going to happen when Benaf is going to leave? If he is going to leave, the president did say um, that he would. Uh, uh, Consider uh, giving, uh, consider trying to keep him on for a couple of seasons if Ben Arfa is, you know, willing to, to stay on at Nice. And you know, yeah, it could, it could, it could very much, uh, very much happen. Uh, happen, sorry. So he does, he does get the point because his his finishing, his technique is uh, is uh, second to none. It's far away, one of the best in the league. Um, and um, to to be honest, I mean, I don't really see. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't really see anyone uh, aside from Lyon or PSG signing him in Ligue 1. That is, and uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure that he wants to go uh, back abroad just yet. After what happened uh, in England, I think he's quite happy to be in Ligue 1, where he's uh, he's absolutely adored. I mean, the media love him. There's the fans, the fans as well. They all recognise he's a he's a world-class player, and uh, that uh, um, they all want him to stay in. Um, want him to stay in Ligue 1. Well, I, think I mean, will. the other thing too. I mean, we could look at uh, Ben Arfa doing a, a Marshall or Kurzawa staying with. It needs to finish third, uh, staying with them as they attempt to qualify through the playoff rounds of the Champions League. And then, if they don't, then moving on, uh, you know, to to play with a bigger club. Mm. Yeah, it could be an interesting one. No, I'm not quite sure who would. Uh, I don't know. This <laughs> time around, I'm not. I, I just don't see. It's one of those things that's. Uh, those type of players that um, you really expected Ben Arthur to play for 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 a bigger club 
uh, no disrespect to Newcastle fans who are who are listening to us. Um, and everyone, we, we get we get this on Twitter all the time when Benafa is doing some magical technical uh, trick, and uh, and uh, we get that at least once once every time we do a commentary of a Nice game, saying a Newcastle fan saying, "Why did we let him go?" Because of what he does is so is so great, and it, it is it is true that is it is uh, very very uh, very very good. But I I'm not sure if uh, the uh, you know the Bayerns or Real Madrid or Barca or uh, Manchester United checkbooks um, will will come up for for him somehow, but you know you never know with uh, with uh, Premiership money, as uh, proven last August. You've taken the words right out of my mouth. You mm. never ever know, especially especially when the transfer window pops around. We'll mm. never know until we see. But uh, we'll finish this week with a quick heroes and villains section. I'll start with you, Eric. Uh, who's your hero and who's your villain for this week? I mean, Hatem Ben Arfa's got to be the hero. I, I've again, it, I've taken a little bit of stick over the past month or so uh, from Christian uh, about uh, about continuing to believe in Nice and their attacking potential. But again, Ren were an informed team, and Nice, you know, uh, unequivocally uh, shut them down, and Ben Arfa was key to that. So no, no issues there. Uh, villain uh, Laurent Blanc. I think that he got his team selection wrong. Uh, and that more than any individual error, that he is to blame for PSG's defeat. Uh, I would have rather seen Lucas. I would have rather seen Marquinhos. I would have rather seen. Uh, I would have rather seen Di Maria in a midfield three. Uh, he just. He had. He just didn't understand the cogency of his players uh, playing together and, and against a you know a fellow uh, ambitious top. Top quality team, and and uh, he's got you know if PSG do lose this tie, he's got to look himself in the mirror and think about you know uh, why he has the loyalty and persistence to stick with certain players, and and how that was his uh, what's the club's undoing uh, on Wednesday, and and maybe tomorrow as well. Philip, who do you have? Uh, good uh, hero Ben Arthur, obviously. <laughs> Difficult not to be. Uh, Villain, can I say last night's game? <laughs> of course you can. Yeah, what, no, good. Marseille Bordeaux was a complete, uh, was a potentially uh, worst game of the season uh, between two very, very poor teams. Just going to go uh, go out and say that these two big clubs deserve better players um, on on the. Uh, when I mean better players is uh, aside the goalkeepers because Mandanda and Prio are are fine are fine keepers of course, but uh, you you saw the level of the play um, last night and you just could not see at half time you could not see where a goal was going to come from and it never came obviously um, and I don't really understand why Michel who were just uh, uh, who managed not to lose his job this week uh, did not uh, did not start either of Enkudu or Batshuayi um, so the whole thing the whole thing but both 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 clubs um, uh, stinks of disorganization and uh, uh, not not too not going to be too harsh on Bordeaux because they sold all their good all their all their best players to uh, to Sunderland this uh, this January, but uh, you know just don't ever show us any uh, those sides ever again in this season, please. Well, unfortunately, you're going to get them again next Sunday yeah. when when Monaco play Marseille. But uh, I think yep, yeah, I have to agree with you that that, that might be a contender of poorest game of the season along with. The uh, unfortunate Nice Bordeaux game I had to watch um, a couple of about a couple of months ago now. But, you see, yeah. that looked good on paper, but uh, <laughs> you know. Ironically, they both have a uh, Bordeaux in them, so I think they might. Yeah, be it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, but mm. uh, I I, w- I would say my hero this week will be Pascal Dupras. He's a uh, he's an enigmatic person, isn't he? He's very animated on the on the sidelines and. And uh, it's great to see him back in Liga and, and really doing. It could perform miracles at Toulouse, like we said. We thought they were dead and buried. Uh, even a couple of weeks ago, we, we, when we were talking about the relegation fight, we thought Toulouse were still absolutely gone. And they're still there with a fighting chance. It would still be difficult because the teams around them still have fixtures that are certainly winnable. But uh, to be within a chance is still, <laughs> still very surprising from where they were. Um, Villain. Oh, um, I think I will go with that. I think the Marseille fans as well. I, I can understand their frustration. It's I can't, I can't believe that Michel's not 
been sacked at this point, but there's not really an option for Marseille otherwise. And uh, it's Christian who posted that apparently he wanted to be sacked, but the Margarita refused because she doesn't really have a choice. Yeah, so it's which I yeah. I actually believe, which, which makes se complete sense because there's no plan there's no plan B in place. Um, they, it might go in the summer, so then they they've got plenty of time to do something. But it, it, I can understand the fans' anger, but you, you, there's a constructive way to do it. The the way they did it at the beginning of the game, at least against Ren, was the right way to do it. Stay out the stadium, show that you show that you're willing to do that, and. But, the trouble at the end was a little bit unnecessary. It's something we don't want to see because it, in the end it will sh again be a, a quiet velodrome game and we, we really don't want to go back to that at all. Not, not to mention the banner, Nathan. Go ahead. Uh, the banner, it was a banner saying uh, go back to your margarita, go back to your to your, to your regular job uh, housewife. That was a bit, you know, Unnecessary, let's say. Yeah, and, well, I, I think it just, it just, they just wanted to, to get that on TV, on on Twitter, and basically yeah. everywhere. But they just, they, they just want to moan, which you know you can, you can actually sympathise with when you see the level of performances. Yeah, I think every single Marseille fan will be delighted to see the back of this season. I'm, I think, and uh, hope will spring it's a turn. Probably not against. the start of, of the next one. <laughs> well, like I say, you ne you never know in football, mm. so. Uh, that's all for this week. Uh, my thanks to Eric and Flip and all of you listening at home. Uh, we shall be here at the same time next week. Abianto and goodbye.